Hi runners, welcome back. I am so excited to be celebrating International Women's Day, which is March 8th at CSUB, celebrating women everywhere. So I just wanted to go over what this year's theme was from their website. Quote, a challenged world is an alert world, and from challenge comes change. So let's all choose to challenge. How will you help forge a gender equal world? Celebrate women's achievement. Raise awareness against bias. Take action for equality. Unquote. I highly recommend that you all check out the International Women's Day website and see where it all began and where we are today. Let's celebrate women everywhere. Joining us today is our faculty member, Robin Valenti at CSUB. She is the multiple and single subject program director as well as the single subject advisor. Often, the stereotypical representation of feminism is unfortunately associated with angry women who hate men, when it is actually defined as equality for all. In your words, what does it mean to you as a woman in your position as a professor, an advisor, as well as your role in your own home, since the pandemic has required the majority, the majority of us to work from home? What's my definition of feminism? Yes. So I understand that feminism, it's easy for people to see feminism as there's always like a, I'm for this, so then I have to be against something, right? And so that's how feminism has been positioned for millions, for a long time, an equal position and role in your family. So it's not easy. And it's something that our society has sort of built into us. And so I come from a family of very strong women. I was raised, my mom, she built into all of our conversations and into our upbringing, this idea of you need to be independent and be able to support yourself financially, as well as be the provider of your own happiness, because someone else isn't going to be able to do that for you. Um, and someone might not be able to financially do that for you either. And so that was always part of my upbringing for my sisters and I. I'm one of three girls um, in my family and I've got very strong aunts um, who are also, you know, they're, they're career women. So I always had really great guiding lights. I was fortunate to pick a husband who's a feminist. So he sees the value of my job. He sees the value of the work that I do and how passionate I am about it. Um, and we've had to talk, even though he's a feminist and I'm a feminist, we've had to talk about why do we still sort of fall back sometimes on these roles in our home of what it means to be husband and wife or mom and dad. And we've had to, especially with the pandemic, really flesh out. So why does he go to work when I'm working from home? The cognitive load of like, making the doctor's appointments and schedule, figuring out what's for dinner. And, you know, all of those little things that end up taking up a lot of space in your mind. Why does that sometimes still fall back on me? And so we really have to 
we really talk that out. So is it because that's what we saw our dads doing? They went to work and then came home and things were beautiful at home. We both had moms that worked, but they worked in either like part-time or jobs that couldn't necessarily financially sustain a house. Hold. Um, my dad worked in construction, so a very male-dominated job. And it was a very typical, I think, male-female roles in my house, although my mom did always encourage us and tell us, you know, you need to be able to support yourself. They still exemplified sort of those typical roles. Um, so we caught, we talk about it and I'm like, is, is this because that's what we saw when we grew up? Or is it because I really love being a mom? That's part of who I am is I love doing all the arts and crafts. I love doing the projects with the kid, girls. I have two girls. One is going to be four in April and one's going to be a year in April. So what it's come down to is what brings us the most happiness. I think rather than what is society trying to tell us our, our jobs are gonna be. I'm also this planner mind and he's an artist. And so things like planning our meals for the month, that's not gonna like enter into his like realm of things that he needs to think about. But because I'm that planner person, I'm like, I wanna have a beautiful chart. Let me see my planner, let me get it out. I'm gonna color code it. So a lot of it, we try to figure out what's personality, what do we enjoy versus what is society telling us these roles should be. Have you heard of the he for she movement? Yes. So that movement is amazing because it also helps men embrace that, like kind of ideas of feminism, but also feeling safe, having emotions because men for so long have had to suppress their, their emotions because it's considered feminine. And apparently that's an insult. And um, I thought that was just a really cool movement to mention because um, there's also that part of it, like um, being supportive of men who have had to suppress their their emotions because considered weak. So I thought that was like really cool that you brought up how you and your husband are both these feminists and have to work out like these roles because mm -hmm. it, it is, it's, it, it's going to be hard and it's complicated. And that's why we're going through this huge societal transition now. So yeah, I yeah. just saw an article. I want to say it was NPR put out about the number of moms that have um, quit their positions and the number of women in general, especially the women, um, people of color that have quit their jobs during the pandemic. It, the numbers are just outstanding and it's heartbreaking because we need them in the workforce. So I saw that you have a, it's under your name on Zoom. It's the her, she and hers next to your mm -hmm. name. Yeah. Is this a courtesy for those who are unsure of your gender preference when referring to you? And is this also to bring awareness to, to gender assumptions? I think it's both. I think it's um, to make it easier for individuals. So we no longer live in a society where things should just be assumed. So one, it produces a conversation occasionally where we get to then talk about what gender norms are and why we have them as a society. We get to talk about pronoun use and why, especially in education, when we're trying to be an advocate for every student we have, it's important as a teacher and an educator to be open-minded and also be accepting. There's a difference between just accepting a student rather uh, and being an advocate for a student. And so if you can try to make it a piece of your life in any way, having on your Zoom every single day, your pronouns, um, having it in your signature line, talking about it with 
um, your colleagues, talking about it with your students. So really embracing the idea of it's not just acceptance, but it's sustaining their choices, encouraging them. It's being an advocate for individuals. And then also because, you know, we never want to make the assumption of what someone's pronouns are going to be. So I like to just have it out there nice and easy for folks. Yes, I have noticed that when I email people, the examples actually, I kept calling you doctor and I was so convinced. I don't know if I thought I saw it somewhere or something, but I've been assuming like certain names are male names or female mm -hmm. names and assuming that a professor has a doctorate. And for me, I'm like, oh, shoot, I, I need to like step back and be like, okay, <laughs> wait, you need to do your research before you refer to somebody because it really is like super important now with new gender norms that are happening right now. So I just thought that that was like really awesome that you're kind of so like- So I have a gender neutral that. name, right? So <laughs> Robin, I yeah. get a lot of, before I would put that, I would get a lot of Mr. Valenti. And so just to kind of make it a little bit easier for individuals. It's, it's just such a good courtesy. So I, I definitely noticed that from like the first time that I saw you on, on Zoom. I was like, oh, I wonder what that means. That's and, cool. And to be totally honest, faculty meetings, I believe over summer or maybe in spring, when as an entire faculty, we were like, you know what, let's all put our pronouns on our signature lines. On my signature line, it has my pronouns and then it also says why pronouns and it links to an article explaining why individuals do that and why it's important. And so that was something that teacher education wanted to do across the board. I will definitely start doing that because I feel like it just definitely brings up that conversation, like you said. And then when you ask them, people will know that like, oh, you're being very more so like adapting to like new society. So yeah. <laughs> so I read an article called and Women's Health by Sarah Nowakowski, Jessica Mears, and Erin Heimbach about hormonal changes during a woman's lifetime in which menstruation, pregnancy, and menopause are factors that inhibit poor sleep, health, and mood that affect a woman's productivity and overall quality of life. The article states that, quote, premenstrual syndrome, PMS, and premenstrual dysmorphic disorder, PMDD, are characterized by emotional, behavioral, and physical symptoms that occur in the premenstrual phase of the menstrual cycle, unquote. So my therapist had actually had a client that was misdiagnosed by a psychiatrist as bipolar, when later they found out that the negative reactions to the medicine that they prescribed her were not working because they had realized she was actually suffering from symptoms of PMDD. And the symptoms are very similar to bipolar disorder. So since gender and sex are two different identity factors, and when it comes to biological factors of being a female, how do you feel about um, these women that are suffering through these symptoms and also like trying to fight for equality in the workforce when they may be dealing with these things that they can't control? Um, you said that your baby is going to be like one years old. So I thought that would be um, a really interesting question for you since you just had recently had a baby and you are in the position that you are. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm very curious. Yeah, our bodies are so complex and our hormone levels are going to impact our sleep levels, our productivity, but that's not just for women. So hormone levels are going to fluctuate for men as well. Um, I think because ours can sometimes be more drastic. We have been 
trained and have been learning. So part of it's like societal training, but then also it's learning about yourself of what to do when that happens. And so that's why I think it's so important that women continue to stay in the workforce. Because for example, I may have gotten four hours of sleep last night, but I still know that I have work that I need to accomplish. Um, so one, I'm going to um, have to continue to work and I might not have the most patience I want, but I'm going to have to, and I have had to practice that patience under circumstances that are not ideal, right? So lack of sleep or hormonal fluctuations due to pregnancy or just due to monthly cycle, things like that. And so I've, I've had this practice in it that allows me to identify it, to know what my reactions are, to know myself a little bit better. And so if something comes up in a work meeting where it might bother me, I am also practiced in how to have patience at that moment as well. And I can kind of sense memory, think about when I was lacking patience because of things with, as well as having such understanding for when things like this come up for students or when things come up with for you know, my, my coworkers, if they send me an email with a typo, I'm not like, you need to be more professional and sending it back. But <laughs> I'm like, Hey, did you get enough sleep last night? Let's talk. Let's see what's going on with you. Um, and having that understanding of we are all human. This is just, you know, um, and our job is extremely important and it is doing great work, especially in education. I fully believe that. But beyond that, we're teaching students and we are working with people and we need to be understanding of those things. So it breaks my heart that people are being misdiagnosed still. Um, you know, we can trace this back to like the first uses of like psychiatry and the horrible things they did to women, the horrible things that they did to African-American women when they brought them over as slaves and were sort of testing on them. How gynecology even came about is just eye-opening, heartbreaking, devastating. The fact that people are taking notice and that are trying their best to improve upon it is wonderful. Um, and that's what I try to keep my sights on because I am an emotional person and I want to constantly keep my focus on how can we improve, how can we fix, rather than thinking about the negative or else I'll get very bogged down in that. Yeah, I actually had never heard of how gynecology came about. I'm definitely gonna look into that. So since we are on the topic of um, biology, with females. There was a New York Times article called Who Should Compete in Women's Sports by Jillian R. Brasil and Jerry Longman. So the article explains that the controversial topic of transgender women who compete in women's sports, um, and the article kind of illuminates the concerns about what is fair in these competitions due to the biological makeup of males. So the article states, Quote, at puberty, male athletes generally gained physiological advantages for many sports, like the larger skeletal structure, greater muscle mass and strength, less body fat, greater bone density, larger hearts, and greater oxygen carrying capacity. As a result, men and women mostly compete in separate divisions, unquote. The Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic Conference said, quote, all the biological females know who is going to win before we even start. And it's sad to see that all our training just goes to waste. 
unquote. So as a CSU advisor in which your training has ensured that your position is an unbiased one, how do you stand with all women, including transgender women, and embrace the essence of what it means to be a woman without harming the identity of people in complicated or controversial instances such as this one pertaining to the content of the article? You know, I'll speak for the Department of Teacher Education broadly. Um, we are committed to creating a diverse and inclusive environment. That is, is something that we bring up at every meeting. That is something that is embedded in our vision and mission. It's something that we look for when we're hiring individuals. And so if you look at our faculty, that is a group of faculty that are absolutely committed to making sure our students feel like we have a diverse and inclusive program. Now, with that said, the more we learn, the more gray situations become and issues are. So this idea of being a, a female athlete, having to compete against somebody who is biologically uh, male, it is what the surface level of it is, right? And so it's sort of a black and white issue there, right? So it's, you know, males by based off of the quote um, by puberty have X, Y, and Z that makes them a better performer for athletics. Now, when we are learning more and more about our biology, it's much more nuanced and much more gray of an area. So we have never tested before that I know of our Olympic athletes, our professional athletes for their hormone composition that determines how much of a female they are, or how much of a male they are. And because sex is not as clear cut as you were born with a vagina, or you were born with a penis, we're learning now with a additional science that we have, that there's different chromosomes are active in some students, or I'm sorry, in some individuals that are not active in others, hormone levels are different. So it's not as clear cut as that, as a lot of us want it to be. And so it's, I guess, easy to have an opinion if you're just looking at face value, if you're just looking at, or you grew up with the idea of a male has a penis and a female has a vagina, and we are going to ignore a bunch of science about what an act, the actual composition of an individual is and why they may have a female gender qualities based off of our society, right? And, and also maybe have biological, their hormone levels might be more similar to a female's composition. And so because it's so nuanced, it's really hard to just make a claim. But what we try to do and what I try to do is look into the gray area, look into the science. Why are there two sides? Why are some individuals categorized as female versus male? Why do we have transgender individuals? So looking into the science behind it sometimes allows for us to be more understanding when it's not our natural inclination to be understanding. I feel like our teacher education department, it's our natural instinct. And for myself, it's my natural instinct to look at you as an individual and say, Joy, you tell me who you are. I can't tell you who you are. Tell me how to pronounce your name. Tell me how, if you are he, she, tell me, you know, all of these different things because you're you. And I think as an educator, it comes a little bit easier because as you have a classroom, you start to 
fall in love with every single student you have and you're like, I need to be their advocate. So if they have autism, if they're an English language learner, if they are the only black student in our community, how can I advocate for you? What struggles are you going through? It's sort of that teacher heart that leads you there. And then it just becomes sort of natural. You're constantly thinking and looking at individuals as individuals. And so if that's not your natural inclination, sometimes it's nice to point people at the science and say, hey, it's not super clear that all females have the same hormone level that allow them to perform athletics at the same rate or in like these same rates. Science is a wonderful tool (laughs) to be able to sort of open minds if they're not already there. So what does International Women's Day mean to you? Day that most commonly is it's Googled when is men's international day? Because that's like the constant, you know, like why we're celebrating women. Well, when are we celebrating men? Um, It's not on International Men's Day in September when people are actually Googling that to find out what the day is. It's when they want to be confrontational or um, have issue with women. And so just that in its own lets us know that it's something we're still working towards and striving is this equality where it's okay to celebrate women, right? It's, it shouldn't be political. It shouldn't be women are doing great things. Men are doing great things. And that should be acknowledged. Yeah, I agree. Um, and that's why I am part of the he for she movement, like standing with our men as well. Like that's what it means to me is like standing with everyone, like equality. (laughs) What kind of advice do you want to give women and all students at CSUB. My advice for women is that you don't have to be superwoman to be considered successful. Uh, I get that a lot. So I have my two girls at home. I have a, a job. I'm the director for the multiple and single subject credential program. I'm also right now being the single subject advisor. So I'll get told quite often, especially like on social media, you're superwoman, you're superwoman. And I'm always, <laughs> don't call me superwoman. One, because I don't necessarily want to be superwoman. (laughs) I want to, I would love for there to be more balance. I would love for there to be, for me to not have to sort of deplete myself as a person in order to succeed professionally and be a mom at the same time. Like I said, I love being a mom and I am beyond passionate about education. I've been working in education since I was 18. So I want to be in both places. I feel like we shouldn't have to be superwoman to do that. And so I'm always like, no, 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 don't call me that. Um, <laughs> I would much rather be like one of those teams of superheroes, whatever you know, group that is. The Justice League. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so that's my my advice to women: is one, don't feel like you have to be a superhero in order to make it to accomplish it all. Don't feel like you have to be an island standing on its own. Reach out to other women, reach out to other people in your field and get help and and work as like a support system. It's so common, especially in education that people feel like they have to be sort of siloed and I'm gonna do it all by myself. And that's not the case. We can do much, it's hard for everybody right now and take time every day to count what you're grateful for and um, look try to focus on those positive aspects. Try not to put all of your efforts into 
what the struggle is, but look at how you're striving. Look at how you are being successful, even in the smallest ways, because giving, changing that perspective, giving yourself a little bit of a growth mindset is only going to help you succeed. So just advising them that they're not alone in the fact that it is hard and we're all right there with them. Reach out, ask for help. Thank you so much for doing this interview with us. I'm so happy that people are going to hear your voice because you have a lot of great advice. So thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you for having me, Joy. And anytime you want to do this again, let me know. (laughs) I will definitely let you know. And happy International Women's Day if I don't see you. All right. Thank you, runners, for joining us on this episode dedicated to International Women's Day. Thank you, Robin Valenti, for joining us. And I will see you guys next time with The Runner on Air. Bye.